0: Call it? Call it. Yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 95 of Call It Friend of the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week myself and DJ Richie and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched the new Star Wars series from Disney Plus and or. As always the podcast contains spoilers for the films and series right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Friend Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations. Booze.
1: Oh, man, that was beautiful. That was perfect, yeah, indeed. All right, we're fucking live. We are live. We're yeah. live here. F2F <laughs> Yeah,
0: we're just going to use that every time now
1: Exactly, FTF Nice, uh, FTX yeah. FTX, why?
0: Uh, is that a thing? Is, is that another crypto thing? I don't uh, fuck You need to, I don't know to stop hanging is. out
1: with those polyamorous people from Portland, Oregon Yes, exactly With all their acronyms <laughs> And backronyms Yeah, yeah, yeah And you know what? You think the acronyms are just for the sex stuff One time somebody I like asked me one I, I just said yes to just, you know, comply I had to, you know, pay the guy's mortgage for 6 months. <laughs> That's good. That's it how was that works. not good. It was not. What have you been watching? All manner of things.
0: I guess uh maybe we should start with some trailer talk. Have you seen it? I've I've seen a few trailers. Oh, I really? don't know if you've seen the new Last of Us trailer.
1: Uh, I have not. It looks amazing. It looks quality. I'm glad uh Craig Mazin's last contribution to the television world was amazing. It was probably the best thing that came out that year, I'd say. Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm psyched for it. I've tr- I've kind of avoided trailers. That's a good
0: idea. I'm just a little bit worried about uh, Liana Mormont. Okay. Why? She's not great. Because well, it's like a, that's the biggest um sort of Last of Us game fan thing to say is she doesn't look like Ellie. No, no, but it is a bit worrying. I don't know. She, her, her. I don't know. I don't think you she's great. know what? Great. They we'll could, they we'll
1: could just recast Ellie as a man and get Elliot Page to play him. That would work. Well, do you know that's who the character is actually based on? I know. Yeah,
0: that was yeah. the the oh, joke there. Okay, sorry. That was. It's a bit too. <laughs> it's a bit too sharp for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was quite sharp there. What um, was the trailer you were talking about?
1: Uh, well, I saw the trailer. I couldn't resist. I saw the trailer for uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny.
0: Ah, Indiana Jones and the CG fuckfest.
1: Oh, right. So
0: you're not looking forward to this at all? I've heard I've heard some uh, worrying reports about test screenings. Oh, Although really? James Mangold has been very clear in saying there have been no test screenings. So allegedly it's just some like 4chan trolling. But hmm. we do know that it involves time travel. Indiana Jones goes back in time. That's what this dial of the, the uh, pick of destiny is all about. Are you for real? Yeah, for real. Is for that real. confirmed? I, as far as I'm aware, yes, that is confirmed that it involves time travel. It's I think it's going to be set That ma- possibly upsets me so much. Possibly during Raiders and it's I think one of the characters is um the face Melty guy. This Melty
1: McMelt face. This really bums me out. Um because I was let me chime in because I'm generally an optimist with uh, almost anything. Optimist Prime. But the writing's on the wall as far as I'm concerned now that you've told me that because I thought James Mangold was a good choice for this because mainly uh, I th- I thought Wolverine was so good. I thought oh, that's kind of a grown up way to handle the end of a, a, a character like that which uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull just completely lost the plot on. It wasn't good. And you know there's the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull sucks. It always did, but something about this and that trailer made me look like, oh, maybe they're actually looking at this fella near the end of his life, and you know, it, well, maybe it this could is all horse shit, But but if they're doing time travel, it's okay. If and if here's that is the,
0: confirmed, here's the thing: this is this is the other leak that came out, which is, I mean, it could be bullshit. It's allegedly true, but the old Indiana Jones and the young Indiana Jones. No, the, what happens is the young Indiana Jones dies saving someone and then the old indiana jones fades away and then phoebe waller bridge picks up the hat and puts it on and then it's like phoebe waller bridges character will return in she's supposed to be marcus brody's granddaughter something like that Alle this is all alleged this could be absolute horseshit that's but i wouldn't gr- be gr- surprised
1: i would a bit
0: that's that's like really bad. Well, but, we'll see what happens. But well, but I mean, they did hire um, James Woman Gold.
1: There's no way that that's going to happen. We'll I, I, I like
0: where is that talk coming from? Probably Four Chan. I think it's a little harsh, yet. But it's still fun, and people have posted lots and lots of videos already, getting riled up about it. It but would be hilarious. Like, where is if it that's, confirmed
1: that it's time to travel?
0: That I think that is confirmed. I think if you go back and look at some of the imagery, there's like a DH Indiana Jones, and some people were saying, like, well, it could just be that that's like one of the early scenes. But there are... I mean, I haven't gone through with a fine Unless tooth comb here, but... Unless they're doing
1: something like that Last Action Hero or Gremlins 2, The New Batch, I think time travel is a bad idea. Well, apparently... Unless they're purposefully giving a fuck you to the franchise. Apparently
0: what happens in this film is that Hulk Hogan turns around <laughs> and tells everyone to be quiet Oh, so I actually
1: quite like Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's R- a great film. Ridiculous film,
0: though it is. Um, but anyway, I, I'm a little bit worried about Old Indiana Jones. I
1: wish... You didn't just tell me what you just but, told me. But
0: doesn't that make it more fun now that there's, there are actual stakes here? Because who knows? It makes
1: it a bit more fun to kind of watch Hollywood go ahead and be completely out of touch all over again.
0: Well, I actually quite like it. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> Do you? And I want to see Phoebe Waller, Indiana Jones. You see,
1: it's actually perfectly fitting to talk about this uh, at the start of this week's episode because... We'll end up talking about something that got this kind of thing particularly right. But just to state it plainly, Indiana Jones is not going to get, nor should it get, a new audience. It has an old audience. And that that audience, it's not, let's say, entitled to its expectations. It just has its expectations. And those are your guys. If you want to do this, those are your guys. But that audience is old as hell. Yes, yes, yes. Which is kind of not a problem if you approach it right, which I think this week's subject actually did. But you're saying like once.
0: those old people will take their children slash grandchildren. No, I don't think
1: so. I think those, those like, for example, do you know what was a great example of this? For example, do you know what was a great example of this? That would have been terrible writing if I'd written it down. I'm not reading off a teleprompter, <laughs> yes, guys. Is, it's all scripted. Um, he wrote that. Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote that. When uh, Die Hard 4 came out. Yes. What's a pile of crap? Yes. What a pile of crap. Totally Live agree.
0: Or Die Hard. Totally agree. Or Die Hard 4.0, it was called in some uh, areas.
1: But it was a big time pastiched action film before anybody else were doing was doing them. It, it was before The Expendables. It did exactly what it said on the tin. Yeah. It was for its audience of the day. It was not trying to capture a new, a new audience. If it was... What a dumb you move. I think,
0: I think it was no. weird. I just think it was like, it was so unlike the other Die Hards. It felt like, I mean, if you see what Die Hard, again, I never watched Die Hard 5, which was like neither. A, good a good day to, day to Die diehard. Hard. I just mean, I think like at a certain point they were like, ah, whatever. I mean, Die Hard 4 has got like Kevin Smith as a programmer. Yeah Timothy yeah. Oliphant's a baddie. They do a thing where they're like changing traffic lights. I mean, it's just it's I'm like, not saying it was good. By the way, like, it's just a bit crap. I don't know. I get, i i don't know if I agree with your point. I think they did. I think they did capture a sort of 2008 zeitgeist of like Facebook, the baddies, of the internet. Somehow, I barely remember that film. To be fair, anyway, I mean, sorry to argue argue that point for no reason.
1: Yeah, but. Uh, I'll be very disappointed if Indiana Jones turns out to be doing tra- time travel. Let's put it like that. I would kind of love it <laughs> if it's awful. I just think it would be
0: hilarious if it's worse than um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which would be tough. And they, yes. couldn't, they didn't even bring back Shia for this one, which is rough.
1: Well, that's because uh, despite Le Redemptions beef. with Johnny Bernthal, he uh, beat up that lady.
0: Did he now? Which one was that? He's done F-K-A a lot of FKA Twigs. Oh, yeah. Well... <laughs> Sorry. Goodbye, Mr. Labeef. Adios. <clears throat> well, how about talking about actual properties that have
1: been made and
0: came out and people saw? Yes. Who's
1: first? Um, Who's first? I think I have slightly more than you, so it okay. might make you more go sense. Okay, first. Well, uh, in line with um, one of the films we watched last week, I watched uh, Louis Mal Doubleville. Mm. One of the films I mentioned on last week's podcast, and uh, I'll just briefly talk about it, Elevator yeah. to the Gallows. Oh, I thought you'd already mentioned it last week. Do you, want, do you want to go
0: into, into depth? No, 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 no.
1: no. no. I'm just, just being honest about what I watch. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, I, this, I really... isn't,
0: this is not confession. Just want you to know that. Okay.
1: I really recommend people seek out and watch Elevator to the Gallows.
0: Yeah, tell me about it because I know nothing about it.
1: Okay. Uh, so Louis Malle, film noir, music by Miles Davis. Interesting mm. enough. Uh, I don't think he did many of those. And the music is really good. Yeah. Um, Miles Davis is good who to thunk so the story of it is there's a couple having an affair and they conspire to murder the woman's husband who's kind of uh the head of a intelligence organization mm. and then the her lover is a veteran of the Algerian war so then as it like i saw this years ago is and this is, just, is this in the 60s this film it was made in 1958 mm. and then on the way out of the building, the guy notices, remembers, let's say that he he forgot to hide one piece of evidence. So he goes back in, gets into the elevator to the gallows. The presses caretaker,
0: the gallows button in the elevator. The, the
1: caretaker turns off the electricity in the building. He's trapped there for the night. Then a young couple steal his car and go on a sort of a rampage. And it, it be, I remembered it as a sort of a fun cat and mouse game, but I never noticed. Obviously, back in the day, that there's a real commentary on actually the French imperial wars that they were struggling mm. to try and keep going in the 1950s and uh, the effect it was having on the population and the young population. Really, really good. Um, just a high recommend. It gets lumped in as a new wave film, and I like some new wave films, but this isn't. This has got more like the production value of something like Rafifi, which we watched for this that podcast, which was which was just film. absolutely excellent. Loved it. Yeah. And uh, then I watched another one at the other end of uh, Louis Mal's career. Second time I've seen it again, just a different kind of reaction. Loved it so much. Um, My Dinner with Andre. My Dinner Andre. with Andre the Giant. Yes, how much do you know about My Dinner with Andre? So it's,
0: uh, what's his name from Toy Story? Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn and Andre. Gregory. Gregory who was like an actor he, was, he wasn't he he wasn't mainly an actor was he not something else he like he ran a drama school or he was like something he did something else he was a
1: theater director yeah also. yeah he
0: didn't do he like he wasn't primarily a film actor and I know it's just like they sit down and they have a dinner and it's just their conversation for like an hour or 20 or something. Yeah,
1: it's the sort of thing that, A, you would think would be based on a stage play, but it's not. It's just a fun idea they had and it's a really good idea. It works so well. I remember really enjoying it before. I watched it before because uh, Abed from Community does a yeah. uh, send-up of it in, in one episode. And I was I remember. like, oh, that seems like a good movie. But watching it now years later, it just... Uh, I mean, so the Andre character has been all over the world. He's done all manner of new wave hippie things. Um, whereas Wallace Shawn's character is just a jobbing playwright slash actor trying to get through life. And they have very different philosophies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the conversations go on and on, it just kind of, I don't know, it has a wonderful way of making you appreciate life. Uh, I've, I found it absolutely beautiful, the film. The, there's a, a famous piano piece that goes off at the end. Eric Satie's uh, Gymnode oh, nice. Number One, Number One. That like it's just very oh, yeah. nice. Driving to uh,
0: Gymnopédos,
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah. Gynopedos. Gino, <laughs> something like that. And uh, yeah, uh, if nobody's ever seen this film, much like we said with Atlantic City, and like I just said with Elevator to the Gallows. Uh, I would really recommend seeking this out. I'll watch I, I this again. Like this, when, when I feel I, like this is like a
0: famous film within film snob slash critic circles, though. It's just not a thing, because I feel like this is a thing that people bring up, hence why it got referenced in the TV show.
1: Maybe. Um. I Roger Eber was once asked in an interview uh, to name, like if because he was complaining about cliched movies, and... Uh, the interviewer asked him, well, can you name one movie completely void of any type of cliche at all? And it was... Uh, Jurassic he, Park 3. He said Jurassic Park 3. That's, <laughs> That's right. Classic. With extra dinosaurs. No, um, he said My Dinner with Andre. And uh, I do, I do think he actually might be right. I do think even though there has been, probably before this, and definitely since this, attempts to ape this kind of idea, nobody's pulled it off quite so well. Like, for the first half of the film... Uh, Wallace Shawn barely talks. He fancies himself as interrogating, and then he eventually gets involved in the conversation. Like it feels like a real conversation. Yeah, it's very very good. What do you got? Give me one. Well,
0: I watched something I think I might have mentioned before, and that is Michael Apted's adaptation of the Robert Harris novel Enigma, which came out in two thousand and one. I don't. How much do you know about this?
1: Well, I know the story of the Enigma.
0: Well, bear in mind this is fictional. Okay, then nothing. It takes it takes place on the planet Neptune. <laughs> oh, nice. No, I, I think this film kind of got shat on a bit at the time. It came out just after 9-11, and I think it was probably a time where people were like, eh. 12th of September? Yeah, that's right. It came out at yeah. a, a midnight. It came out at 12.01 a.m. Uh, on the 12th of September. I
1: remember it not being a success.
0: Definitely did not do well. But I think... I think it, it came at a time. It was like the year before was U five seven one. Do you another remember kind that? Of that was like Turkey. another one where yeah, which was like the Americans cracked the code. They did it, and I think I think British people like the Brit the the British armed forces were like, wait a minute, what about
1: what, what about the gay guy that we chemically castrated? Well,
0: okay, that and the, those okay. These are the other. The issue with this film is I think uh, polls were like, wait a minute. W- it was like, we cracked the code. What are you talking about? Like we Polish people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the Polish military were responsible for cracking the code. Oh, right. Yeah. And so <laughs> they were like, uh, what's going on here? The other thing was, yeah, like Alan Alan Turing, I think now there's been quite a lot about him. Yeah. But back in 2001, people were like, you know, what about Alan Turing? Like, no one's ever mentioned that. But I think, like, hasn't he been pardoned at this point? Yes, yeah, so I mean I think like and also there was obviously the the uh the the film with um Bimber Yeah, Batch. Exactly. What's Terrible that called film. again? Not a fan.
1: The imitation, the imitation game game,
0: yeah. That was fine. I thought it was okay. It was exactly it was fine, pe- yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was completely fine. So I think like in two thousand and one people were not really looking forward to this story at all. But it's based on the Robert Harris novel. It's like it's it's World War Two fiction. Uh screenplays by Tom Stoppard. not bad yeah i mean you've got you've got quality people involved it's produced by mick jagger (laughs) (laughs) who apparently is big into the whole thing he owns like some he owns like a a four rotor enigma machine himself (sighs) at which he lent to the film production so like he's way into the whole thing it's uh john barry's final film score okay and it is brilliant I think the score is extremely powerful. I think that's part of the reason why I like this film so much. I've seen this film six times, seven times. Wow. I've seen it a ton of
1: times and this I enjoy it It's one of those ones time. that got you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just everything about it. You've got Dougray Scott, Kate Winslet. Jeremy Northam is this sort of smarmy spy character. He's really, really good. Tom Hollander, Jamie Lannister's in it. There's, yeah, you've got like a quality cast. Little bit white, a <laughs> little bit male, but uh it's a solid is is just it's just, it's it's solid World War Two fiction, solid Robert Harris adaptation. Okay, I, I people should watch this. I think it's quite hard to get hold of actually. Did you have a hard time getting hold of it? No, but I've got sources. But like nice. <laughs> the average person might struggle. If you can't find this film, get in touch and we'll send you a copy. Yeah, it's a bit under rug swept. Yeah, which is I don't know why I I I don't know why. I think it like I think it might just be those issues we talked about, like Alan Turing, the history of it, of just people going like, "Oh, that's not. We don't. It's not. It's not historically accurate. It's fiction, but it's a solid mystery. It's well made." You've does just Alan got, Turing feature in the people. film? Not at all. Okay, his character does not exist. The main character likes ladies,
1: and the main character is the person who solves the Enigma.
0: Yeah, he's called Tom Jericho. Oh, no, he is- doesn't solve it. He like they sort of crack the German weather code to look after. They're they're basically there's well, that's like a, how it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they, I guess there, there's like there's some code breaking that you don't see that happens prior to the film. But basically, the main character is supposed to be Alan Turing, but straight, and he's called something else,
1: right. I can understand that being a tiny bit problematic. (laughs) I mean, even in
0: 2001, apparently, people were like, eh.
1: Because it makes me think of, like, my flatmate who recommended, um, he he swore by the book um, A Million Little Pieces, uh, the James Frey book that uh, the guy was on Oprah and she loved the book and then he was a big fat
0: liar. But this is fiction, though. Yes, fair enough. It's never been anything other. But that's like, imagine, because we were talking about Robert Harris before. Imagine you were like... I read the novel Fatherland, and I've it was shocking. Hitler died in nineteen seventy or something.
1: Yeah, but it's different. There was a guy who actually did do the uh, solve the Enigma. But it doesn't matter.
0: It doesn't matter. It's 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 fiction. They're they're not claiming that it's a true story. Fair. So it you could put it in the same category. It's like alternate history, whatever.
1: I. Well, take your word for it. I would like to watch it. Yeah, you know, I tr- I'd
0: recommend watching it, and then you, you can know make this your decision. kind of
1: uh, thing is my bag, baby.
0: I'm super into everything World War II right now. I mean, again, to quote as we've quoted many times, Stephen Carlin: If you don't like World War II, there's just no pleasing. you. There's no you. pleasing you because yeah, it exactly. is the best war ever. It's, so I'm I'm hopefully. I'm all in on
1: the World War II right now. Nice, nice. If I think of any other hot recommends, I'll send them your way. I got two TV shows that I watched. Hmm. So. I've, I might have said it here. I've said it to loads of people that um, the White Lotus was the, uh, the I don't know best representation of the hospitality industry and the. You've, you've definitely mentioned psychology. that when you watched season one, yeah, yeah, you know, by I, a year um, ago or something. Now, the White Lotus season two is really, really good, but it has moved away from that aspect of it. Now, it's still set in a luxury resort this time in Sicily. Jennifer Coolidge is the only remaining character from hmm. the first season just at a different White Lotus Resort. Then you've got Tom Hollander. Mm. Uh, you've got Theo James and his massive Willie. Um, Which apparently is not real. Oh, thank God. I'm sorry
0: to break that to you. I just read that today. Apparently he was wearing a piece.
1: Thank God, because it's an intimidating penis. You've got a great cast. F. Murray, Abr- F. Murray Abraham. Ah, believe, good for him. He's getting yeah, on Aubrey bit. Plaza. But what it's missing... Is Murray Bartlett's hotel manager from the first season who was what? Who is Murray Bartlett? I don't even know who that he's is. He's an Australian actor who, uh, he had a few big roles back in the, like, 90s, I think, as far as, hold on, looking would have been his big one. But he's coming, he's going to be in The Last of Us. He's in that. Oh, good for him. Coming up, Who's yeah. he playing in The Last of Us? Not sure. He's um, playing The Last of Us? You, oh, no, no, no. They've got the the page for the game. Never mind. I'm yeah, getting. Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, Telling yeah. But, um, Lotus. yeah, they have more leaned into the side of the White Lotus, which is sort of dissecting society as looking through a, a lens of the hospitality industry or luxury resorts in I've general. I've heard
0: this one is less funny and
1: more serious. It's, yeah, it's certainly less funny. Um, it's very intriguing, though. Tom Hollander is in it in a kind of a dastardly but enjoyable role as a sinister gay. I remember Tom Hollander
0: playing an arsehole character in the thick of it. Does he? He's like, I mean, he's supposed to be like, I guess, like the Tory version of Malcolm or something. Oh, yeah, 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 he's, you're, he's right, you're right. He's the fucker, right. I think he's called.
1: He's very good, though. I, I mean, I'm guessing
0: yeah. that Malcolm's supposed to be Labour and the other side are supposed to be the Tories. Yeah, yeah right? Mal- I don't think Malcolm is
1: based on Alistair Campbell. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's stated that one is the other, one party or the other, but it's pretty clear from accents and stuff
1: (laughs) who they are anyway there's drugs and sex and it's in it's in sicily uh it's not quite as good as the first season um and it's annoyingly got one episode more i was sure it was finished when i watched the episode last night i was sure it was coming to a conclusion credits rolled And then they just made the announcement, oh, yeah, there's just one more episode. So anybody listening to this, yes, I have not seen the last episode of it. Ah, I will be watching it. Overall, uh, not as good as the first season, mainly on account of the absence of Murray Bartlett. But uh, really, yeah, I'll tune in again next year. It's back for season three. But there has been an all-conquering look within the service industry uh, with a new show. So have you heard anything about Christopher Storer's The Bear? No. Right. So... It's just called The Bear. The Bear, yeah. I brought up a film with you last year, maybe, no, this year probably, Boiling Point with Stephen Graham. Sure. The one shot inside the restaurant. As enjoyable as that was, it did bring to me a bit of clarity on what issues I've had with service industry dramas throughout the years, which is that the drama's always elsewhere. They utilize the pressure of a kitchen situation, like boxing movies use a boxing ring. And it's all about the psychological other stuff going on outside there. Well, do you mean there's like pressure of like, the customers are waiting? Is that
0: what you're describing or what?
1: Well, no, that's what I want to see. You see, that's what I always want to see, because I always think that there is actually enough insane drama inside that workspace that if you can get cinematically or in a visual storytelling sense, how tight the space is, how well it has to run to run correctly, then... All your other drama just need to be peripheral to move the story along because it'll be entertaining enough watching people work in a kitchen well. And the bear fucking nails it, to be honest. So the premise of the show is this big Michelin star chef. It goes back to run his dead brother's sandwich shop. His brother killed himself and left him the sandwich shop, which is a bit of a dead-end business. And he's in there working it trying to work with the old staff and make them work with him and trying to elevate the state of the business. Like, there are personal traumas that intervene in it, but it's mostly just in-kitchen drama, drama about trying to make a restaurant work, which I've always felt is interesting enough. That's why people watch all those documentaries about cooking shows and shit like that. You don't need Stephen Graham to be an alcoholic coke addict in the back for your story to work. You just need... People who really want to make their kitchen work well. Because it's interesting. Like, anybody who's ever been in that world thinks it's interesting. And anybody I ever tell stories to who has never worked in that world thinks it's interesting. So they have a little bit of excess drama here. Not excess, but uh, drama external to the kitchen here to, I don't know, keep people interesting or keep things moving is one way. But it's mostly just about... Trying to make the kitchen work And it's mm. brilliant for it I loved it It's only eight episodes long where Half is an hour show? each, On Disney Plus Okay Th- High, high recommend Might be It's close to the best thing I've seen this year On TV mm. You go Well I've, I was just
0: going to mention a couple of things Because I've talked before about Eastbound and Down I got through season one and two Finished season three I think season three is where the show very nearly jumped the shark Don't know how much you remember about season three Hardly anything It's where uh, Kenny moves to Myrtle Beach.
1: Okay, yeah. I got you. And I think actually that's the last season I watched. So for me, season four is the best season. Oh, really? Oh, bollocks. Must get on to it. So
0: you definitely need to finish off the show. Season three is a bit. Season three is the most cartoonish, I would say. There's like. There's some parts with uh, Will Ferrell's Ashley Schaefer. Like, there's a part where he basically it's it almost has like slaves and stuff and he, he he gets into a big fight with uh the big bike the like black biker gang and there's just a bunch of things that happen and also it definitely is like in season one and two they were like pushing the envelope and it was like ooh it was on the line and then season three there's elements where i'm like all right yeah i mean i can see why that's a bit bad i can see why that's a problem and probably that should go away a little bit I just think they were, like, possibly running out of ideas a little bit. Some of the episodes are written by um, Harris Whittles. Are you familiar with Harris no, Whittles? No. Harris Whittles was, like, a really funny stand-up comic who died of a heroin overdose, maybe about in 2014, 2015, maybe. He was great. He wrote for, like, Parks and Rec and stuff like that. But He was super funny, really, really funny guy. But he co-wrote some of the episodes And they're they're very wacky, but they're definitely too wacky. Mm. So season three of Eastbound and Down, in retrospect now, seems a bit dodgy. But I remember season four is quality, so I'm looking forward to
1: that. And you'll no doubt go on to that,
0: yeah, soon enough. uh, Well, the other thing I still the only thing I've been watching week to week is uh, Rick and Morty. How's it doing? It's great. There was an episode like about three episodes ago where. They made this comment about writing. there's like a sitcom it's, there was there was like a the most meta episode I've ever seen. Um, you know for for a show which is extremely meta. They did yeah. one they did one episode that was like super super meta and they had this comment about like creating comedy or like writing of like just saying like oh, the only reason you're doing that is like it is like born out of misery. It was just it was like one of the most honest things that you never ever see said anywhere and it was hilarious to you know it was it was like such clarity but it it really made Particularly me Particularly coming a lot. from
1: big old misery guts Yeah, Herman. exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was just him explaining his point of view but Who's a good follow on Instagram? I don't do you follow Dan Harriman on Instagram? No. Although yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe they maybe he's disappeared. He Just does DIY stuff. It's funny. Oh, fair play. Good for him. Um but yeah, I think the show is
0: still solid week to week. And I think it's just coming to the end of the second part of whatever season. I think this is season five or something, but
1: oh, I haven't watched it since season two. I don't know. Oh man,
0: like... you're missing out. There's some great episodes there. I know the fan base is annoying as fuck, but I mean it's twenty minute episodes. There's some really, really good episodes. And you see, there
1: the still. thing is is all I, like I as you know, I'm not on the internet uh, Oh, you don't so, like cartoons, do so you? deeply do you like animated? Yeah, I um, and I I try. I do try. I tried with the show this week. I'm not going to bring up because I abandoned it. What was that? Oh, uh, Neon Genesis eventually. Oh, Okay, you yeah, tried, tried some, again. Uh, some anime. <laughs> I've tried that before because everyone says it's the best one. I was like, oh, what? This did, is... What
0: happens in your brain when you start watching cartoons? I just. Do you get some kind there, of There's guilt? an
1: exception that proves the rule because the animation is so good, right? The animation just is not good enough. Now, this is why Rick and Morty actually kind of... Rick and Morty I can get on board with. Like I can get on board with, with uh, South Park. The other problem is I have a bit of a problem with comedy, which <laughs> is admittedly its own thing. But particularly in terms of cartoons where you're supposed to be stimulated by action and stuff like that, it's just the fact that it's not real enough... <laughs> that bugs me which is why uh, Arcane that came out on Netflix I think last year was just a, a game changer for me because the animation is so good that I was able to enjoy it that show that everybody else enjoyed on Amazon Invincible? Oh yeah, we talk, yeah Invincible we talked about that yeah, season I could, 2 I but couldn't I'd get into it enough. but I know that I'm the problem uh, particularly when it comes to this Neon Genesis Evangeline I just can't get into the anything fucker. that's
0: got like that type of title just i'm already concerned good i'm sure it's fine but like uh, there's some of the like anime things when i see the title has like about 10 words yeah that's fair and it's got a couple
1: of colons in it i'm like all right well no the issue with them rick and morty is like i definitely should watch rick and morty because i really like good comedy yeah that's uh, the crazy thing but i just never give any time to it just because and it's stupid because, I like, I've seen Father Ted 20 million times. I've seen I'm Alan Partridge 20 million times. I'm I not sh- putting Ricky Morty up. No, 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 I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. The... I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, like, I'm clearly a comedy fan. Sure. I should dip my toes in the comedy waters. So, But it's just, I've I mentioned uh, this to you before. Dramatic shows are often way funnier than any comedy shows out there. I don't think, I, I don't really watch a lot of comedy. I mean, I know, in general, yeah, I don't, don't watch seem to. stand-up.
0: And yeah, I don't watch a lot of sitcoms or anything. So you, yeah, I think you make a fair point. But Eastbound
1: and Down, change, like the like when my because my brother Ushin, who listens to this podcast a lot, shout out Ushin, how are you doing? He, he listens religiously. It was his most he got that is his number his one religious. podcast. This oh year. yeah,
0: shout <laughs> shout out to uh, Ting from Taiwan, who's also a religious listener.
1: Really? Yeah. Ah, hey Ting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Ushin is. Oshin watches mostly comedy. And uh, in the week before my wedding, he came over and stayed with us and we just ripped through Eastbound and Down. And it did make me think like, ah, God damn it, I should watch more comedy. Because, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because, like, Rick and Morty is very clever. And it's, it, it, I th- it, I don't know, does it think it's very clever? I think the fan base thinks it's clever.
0: I don't think it's, I don't think Rick and Morty should get knocked on see, like, I don't know anything cunts. about the,
1: the fan base, but I've heard reference to it. Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. the issue with the fan base?
0: There's, there's like a typical like red um, copy pasta. That's like, to be fair, you have to be very intelligent to watch Rick and Morty, and it's like a whole thing of like, and yes, I have a Rick and Morty tattoo, and no, you can't see it. Yeah it's like was that
1: you saying to be you have to be very intelligent to watch Rick and Morty
0: no 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 this is I said this is like a red you know the things where people oh so that's the the vibe yeah 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 so like that's like a thing that people post all the time that's that's what that is is like a like a a kind of block of text that people post and then Uh, it's it's like a meme format and they change it see I'm not on the internet all the time. yeah no you don't you you don't understand the lingo to be fair you have to be very intelligent to be on the internet (laughs) see that like that's how you would take that and.
1: and uh, no to, to be to be fair every episode every minute of Rick and Morty I've watched I really enjoyed um so it's and I mean time
0: is limited I get it it's fair
1: Yeah 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 Do you know what's oh, a show that I would love to get back to and uh, watch the end of cuz I only ever watched the first series but um it's got uh, my main man Danny in it Vice Principles
0: Oh yeah I I I finished that off it's definitely worth watching both seasons cuz I remember second season is it goes
1: pretty wild the first season is wild enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I remember I devoured that in like a day or so maybe. I watched it super mm-hmm. quick. And um, because the plot is compelling as well, like he's and down actually. They they like that's got a good ongoing plot. That might be a, a factor as well. I think what worked 12 for Vice Principals was they had like a two season arc.
0: Okay, and then they figured done. out and they, I think they shot it all at the same time and then just released it over ah, two years.
1: Was it the same people behind Eastbound and Down? Yeah, it's um, Jodie Hill. Because it's that same sort of insane vibe. Yeah, and and,
0: uh, David Gordon Green.
1: And uh, what's his chops? Just Walton
0: Goggins just belonged in that world so much. (laughs) That's such a good character. Oh,
1: so brilliant. Like camp or evil? I can't tell. Super camp. He's got his like
0: Asian wife, but he's like the campest man ever.
1: Ah, it's very funny. He's very funny. He's, he's brilliant bright. in everything. How good is
0: he? Who would have thought that Shane from The Shield would turn out to be like a fucking comedy legend? Because he's so dark
1: in that. But also, he's just like, he's great in everything. If, is, I, if I great. see his name in the credits, I'm like, in. Yeah, well, at least the, it's got, got him greats.
0: in it. One of the greats.
1: Now, I believe you have one other thing that's a lead into this week's topic.
0: Yeah, off the back of watching uh, Andor. I decided to watch 2016's Rogue One.
1: Do you want to hear how I first watched Rogue One? How did you first watch Rogue One? It's a sad story. Okay, I why? <laughs> it's, it's it's funny though. It has funny bits in it. Um, this is only six
0: years ago. Bear in mind, m- maximum. Yeah, I know. I I know because I've I've known you (laughs) within the time period that you watched this, so I'm intrigued. Oh, so you will
1: remember one of the incidents around? So um, interesting. uh, A friend of mine died tragically.
0: Oh yeah, I do recall that.
1: Yes, and um, him and I, uh, we used to go to the cinema a lot together, um, and we would uh, get get bottles of wine and glasses and uh, drink like classy lads in the cinema. It was a lot of fun. Fuck it now and. Like Rogue One would have definitely been one we would have done. And I was all intent on, because his parents live near the cinema where Mm -hmm. we we used to go. So I was kind of intent on visiting his parents before Christmas when I went home for Christmas one year. And I bought them a bottle of Baileys. And uh, before I walked down to their house, I... uh, (laughs) it's sad but it's, it, I promise you it has a funny ending and I went to see them eventually anyway um, I went to the grave and it just it was the the first time I'd been there since the funeral and it was very very difficult for me and I couldn't go down to the house so I went to the cinema to see Rogues, Rogue One and drank Bailey's
0: <laughs> oh, yeah that's uh,
1: that's
0: that's one way to watch it I watched it like a year later I'm um, sure your friend would have
1: appreciated he the, would have the gesture. um I watched it a year later and appreciated it a lot more. I'm a fan. Of Rogue One. Yeah. I would say, and this
0: will, I'll mention a bit more about Rogue One, but leading into Andor, I would say Andor, one of the problems with Andor is that it now makes Rogue One look like a fucking cartoon. Because I think Andor is so good and has so much depth that Rogue One feels like Oh no, really? Rogue One feels, it feels hollow. If it just feels Rogue One feels like a cutscene now in a game, like a in, in a longer form thing. Like huh. Rogue
1: One is just I can see how it might result in that. It's it's yeah. just
0: like a bunch of scenes that have been stuck together going, Yep, we we'll go from here, we we'll go to there, go to the next thing, da da boom, the end. There's you don't like without
1: any memory of the actual structure of the film. I can imagine what you're talking about to be true, yeah. and I think that
0: was a that was a, so that was already a problem with Rogue One anyway. Like Gareth Edwards, who'd who previously had the made project,
1: and then Tony Gilroy. Took well, over so Gil,
0: it. okay, so Gareth Edwards had made what Monsters, Godzilla, and I think this was his third film. Okay, yeah, and yeah, that sounds about right. He brought he, allegedly he was okay with Tony Gilroy coming in because they'd worked together on Godzilla. godzilla he'd done some like like rewrites and help with reshoots or whatever so disney brought in gilroy now allegedly this was not to fuck up gareth edwards's shit they were like we just there's a few things that we need to do they i think the ending changed allegedly but i've researched that and i can't find anything about that like i don't know if that's not true but allegedly the two main characters didn't die at the end spoilers for rogue one hmm. but um yeah so but the main things that tony gilroy added were the scene where cassian andor kills the guy at the start at
1: the start his introduction
0: yeah so he they added like basically like andor's like some sort of character thing they added Jin erso being in prison and and breaking her out And just like a few other bits and pieces early on, like he was trying to build up something of character motivation, (laughs) explaining who the fuck people are. Hmm. And then obviously he's gone on and made this 12 part first season of a TV show that explains in great depth who the main character is. And now I'm watching, you watch Rogue One and you're like, well, I care about Cassie and Andor, but not because of Rogue One, like nothing from Rogue One. Because he's just a guy who's, like, reacting to stuff. He seems like a pretty, Does like the character track well spy? across properties? Yes, because uh, by the time of Rogue One, he's hardened. And it's clear that there's some other, like, a bunch of shit has happened to him. And he, he he makes reference to that. He's like, yeah, I mean, I've done bad things for the Rebellion. So the TV series, the first season, is just filling in some of that. And I mm. think season two, when that comes out, is just going to fill in the rest of the blanks. But like, like I say, it doesn't, none of this makes the rest of star Wars better. I would how does say, the,
1: how does the Vader scene feel to you?
0: Uh, it just played out now. I just, I mean, it was great at the time, but like yeah, now it's almost like a meme. I just think it's, you've, yeah. It's one of those things that you've seen I've definitely seen too many times and now I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. But
1: also, even at the time I felt despite how go- how well it was shot, I remember thinking, This ha this is a note. That that was a that was another reshoot. That I'd whole imagine, Vader yeah.
0: slicey slice. But that wasn't Gilroy, that was someone else.
1: Because people had yet to get bored of uh, being What's the uh, the term? Uh, fan, For,
0: yeah, fan serviced.
1: Yeah, yeah. People had yet to. Uh, well, I, I I was not yet cynical about fan service at that point, so I was delighted. But yeah, I remember rewatching the film, thinking it doesn't really go there. It's yeah,
0: and then you've got Princess Leia turns around and like her plasticine face goes. Oh, yeah,
1: that's not good. And
0: and Moff Tarkin does not look good. Who's Moff Tarkin again? Uh Peter Cushing. Oh, the, yeah, they yeah, made yeah, him yeah, again, yeah. they did like a CG of him and it, it's rough. It's mostly, I would say like, okay, Cassian Andor, there's not much to him. Jinner, so Felicity Jones, her character, there's nothing to her. There's nothing, there's just nothing. She's like, it's shocking how little that character has to do. Her her main character trait is she that she's the daughter of um, Mads Mikkelsen. Mm. That's it. Ben Mendelsohn's a good baddie, but... When you when you actually like total up how many scenes each character has, it's incredibly lightweight. It's got good action, but I just think like I liked it way more when I first saw it, and I genuinely think watching Andor has made this worse now.
1: It's an appropriate moment to move on to Andor. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll start with a superlative statement. Go on. I,
0: I just wanted to. I wanted to just before we go into Andor. I just wanted to check. What have or haven't we seen in star in the Star Wars world?
1: Okay, I haven't seen the Rise of Skywalker, which is unbelievably poor. I I've heard that. Yeah, I read a summary of uh, the Duel of the Fates the other right. day as well. Um, I ha- uh, I think I I think I've seen almost everything else, including no 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 I haven't seen. You haven't all, seen any animated shows, surely? Like, I've seen some of them, but no 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 nothing I can't significant. Watch those, nothing. So nothing them. significant. Yeah, the only reason I've seen some of the animated shows is because they entertain my daughter, and it's better that than Baby <laughs> Shark. That's that's the only reason I'm not interested. Um, everything else I've seen. Have you seen all of the TV series? Two Ma- seasons of sins, The Mandalorian, yeah. The Book of which Boba are great, Fett, which is horrible,
0: and Obi Wan Kenobi, which
1: almost made me lose my fate in Star Wars.
0: I would say, in my opinion, The Mandalorian is completely fine and is a good show. Hmm. But in comparison to Andor, again, also feels hollow.
1: Okay, here we go. Big superlative statement. I'm sure you'll agree with me, though. I think Andor is the best thing out of that universe. Absolutely. Including including, including, including all the films. It's incredible.
0: It's not playing the same game. No. There's a scene at the end of Andor where they're doing the funeral... And Marva's hologram oh, I up during that. M- Marva's hologram is telling them that they need to fight the Empire. Yeah, yeah. fight uh, these bastards. And bro. I was like, like almost going, like we need to punch fuck out of these people. Like I was there. Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. was on board. I it's just felt like it is, nothing in Star Wars has that weight.
1: Now, and before we g- we get into the depths of the show, this will allow me to loop back finally to what I was saying at the start about the Indiana Jones thing. It's like. So the original fans of Star Wars, no matter how they try to keep getting a new audience, right? The original fans of Star Wars have grown the fuck up. Yeah. This is a grown up show and it is fucking spectacular from start to finish. Yeah. George Lucas flirted with it, but he couldn't commit wholeheartedly. That's why he had trade lines. Plus, he's not a good enough writer. Yeah. yeah, That's why he had other people write his movies. He's not a good enough writer. But I do think this is good proof that he did actually kind of have the right idea with certain things. Mm -hmm. There's a quote from James Cameron from a few years ago where he said, uh, I think it was after the release of Force Awakens where he said, uh, well there's more imagination in the prequels than Force Awakens for sure. And he was right but at the same time Tony Gilroy has clearly taken this It it feels like like, particularly we're listening to you talking about Rogue One, it feels like him just scratching a gigantic itch at last. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just expanded that universe and given it's, uh, like, and finally, we're not watching things on that blue screen surround sound shit, which you can notice immediately by this the This is
0: one of the biggest points is he took, like, about $150 million. So it's a, it's a chunk of change. A large part of this is filmed in Scotland, like the whole heist, part that's near like oban that's that makes a, sense yeah dam and the rest of that planet that they're on that's like another valley in scotland it's like another glen how
1: um, how far into this did it take for you to ask yourself that question where you go how good how fucking good is this
0: yeah not very long like probably, within the first couple of episodes where i was like it wasn't it had it, me at the first episode yeah i mean i was on board but there was a certain point where i realized third episode
1: like, i was like this is incredible. Yeah, I, there, I had full confidence till the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I wasn't concerned at all, and it's weird because I've seen, I've, I've seen some sort of criticism of pacing, but I think Ugh. those people are, idiot. they're like, I are think
1: idiots. They're idiots. They're idiots. they
0: probably watched Rogue One and were like, "Oh man, this is slow. Get to the next scene. Get yeah, to the next yeah, scene." Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I mean, this is twelve episodes, and I was gripped. very happy to spend- beyond gripped. To spend this period, I do, I feel like the different were, dimensions,
1: the the pl- the zones they jump around the galaxy are perfect. Everything is the very politics, clear. The nitty gritty down there, the Empire scenes, it's all just
0: oh, like Ferrix. I think I could draw that place. Like I think, yeah, it was good point. going back to when we that's watched great point. the um, Wild Bunch of the cinema. Mm. Like the the level of tension of some of those scenes, and you've got multiple groups like, all ready to face off with, with each other in the street. Um, you see it in, like, episode 3, maybe, and then again in episode 12. There's just so much going on, but it's very clear at all times. There's four
1: like. There's four payoff episodes in this, which is amazing for sustained tension.
0: Which ones are, so you're giving the...
1: I would say 3, 6, 10, and 12.
0: Right. Well, there, there are basically, like, those arcs. Hmm. The first one is like the end of the... When they
1: get off Ferex with uh, um, Skarsgård.
0: Yeah, so when um, Cassian and Luthen flee Ferex and Cyril Cyril Karn, the kind of incel dickhead, has brought his group of
1: uh, security guards to try and capture Cassian Andor. He is great. I think everyone's great in this. Uh, or, or do you want to run through a, a plot quick before, right. and, and then as we go, we can say all the stuff we loved. How about that? That sounds good. Well, well, actually. So,
0: yeah, like you said, there's these, they're basically the 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 episodes are kind of grouped into little groups of three. So the first arc is basically that Cassian Andor is searching for his sister mm. because we get some backstory of Andor. He's from this planet Canary, Canary, and. What exactly
1: happens? Like we, some, do, we don't hear the end of that story. There's like
0: some imperial ship or something crashes on the planet. And a ship
1: crashes. Uh, him and a few other he's tribes from like people, a, He's from a tribe. They go off to investigate the crash. One of their number gets shot. They kill the guy and run off, but he stays to investigate the ship. Then this Lady Marva rescues him. And she's like a, a scavenger
0: type? Yeah, seems. yeah, exactly. So he gets taken away to Ferex and he is raised, uh, he's raised by this Marvel lady and her husband. Yeah, called Clem. Clem. And then Clem at some point. Gets hung in a square. He gets hung. What what does Clem do again? Why does he, because there's like, there's some sort of, I mean, this, this town where they are is like a sort of mining Yeah.
1: There's, no. re- you know what, like, there's really in, there- in, in, in the, in the early episodes and in the last episode, there's a real feeling of like Northern Ireland during the Troubles.
0: I, I, do you know what? I, the whole thing of this, I'd written a thing about like, yeah, and then he decides to join the Space IRA. I mean, it is a hundred percent. I mean, also you've got like all the baddies are like these these British like, and then I guess we'll just need to murder everyone. And and, and I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I yeah. can see it. No, I mean it. Definitely, it feels like the troubles. It feels, well, yeah, like sure. who, So many who, things.
1: I'm surprised you haven't brought up uh, who betrays Bix, Andy.
0: Oh well, there's a lot of Scottish arseholes. dirty in it. Scottish. There, I, but here's head. the thing, though: there's Scottish arseholes and there's Scottish good guys as well. Melchies Scottish. I guess that's right. There's so you you got we go, we you know we're all <laughs> we're, we're all over this. We're everywhere. Yeah, and
1: playing both sides. But hold on. Bix would go with Tim over fucking hot-ass Cassian Andor. Are you kidding me?
0: Tim, who was in, uh, that actor's in uh, Mayor of Easttown. He was the priest.
1: Huh? Yeah.
0: But he looks like he's getting a bit chunky. No offense to him. He is getting but, a, a, a yeah, little bit I mean, chunky. Come on now. So anyway, fair play. Yeah. I mean he had to he had to uh he had to fucking daub in old uh Cassie and Andor. He's trying to protect his interests.
1: So it opens yeah. up with Old Casa. He's on this um a pleasure planet, it looks like Amsterdam or something, uh, He's trying to find his sister. Yes, welcome to Space <laughs> GM. And uh then these two boyos come up behind him and they're like uh they they basically want to beat the shit out of him or something, but he kills both of them and goes on the run. Were you shocked by that early on in it?
0: Um, no, because I remembered in Rogue, Rogue One, I knew that he killed that, he killed like a member of the rebellion mm. just because he, the, the guy, the scene in Rogue One is like, he's met this rebellion member and the, that guy it has got like a, like a fucked up arm and they're about to get caught and he can't climb out. And he's like, what about my arm? So, oh yeah. yeah, You've just, So like uh, Andor shoots him. he's like, yeah, sorry. So I got the sense that he was already like had done some bad stuff, but at the start of it of this, he's pretty hasn't really done anything too bad. It seems. I mean, he's been to jail. No, and we learned that he stole that uh, imperial part. Right, he's still stealing some stuff, but not for any like rebellious reason. Just because he wants to get some shit, he wants. To so he pops
1: stuff. into um he pops into uh, Ferrex. He's on the run at this point. Needs to hide out and get out of there because he's just killed these two people. His image starts getting out there and the person who's in charge of Space Amsterdam wants to it, it, cover it up. But this other guy, overzealous guy says, no, 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 we're fucking, you know, we're going for that. And your man asks him to juke the stacks. He's not going to do it. He hires a band of, I don't know, space mercenaries, kind of. No, no,
0: no. No, no, no. They're just, they're other members. So like... Other overzealous troops. At this point in the Empire... There are external security services who are responsible for security on different planets.
1: Okay, so point number one we can get to uh, that I I loved about this. It shows there's never been a fascist system that wasn't held together by fucking chewing gum. Like, (laughs) it's so... Like, it's kind of such a weak system because everyone's afraid. Yeah. So nobody
0: reports things accurately. Yeah, I mean, this, like, it speaks to what probably what Russia's like to an extent. I'm sure many other places, but like where you're in fear of saying anything to your superior, because I mean, you're going to fucking, you're going to deal with the consequences. The other thing about that is like the like stormtroopers and Imperials in general In this are scary as fuck. Yeah. And they're not scary in anything else. Like they're cartoonish, even, you know, like across pretty much every other Star Wars property. There's yeah. not a great deal of, like, stormtroopers are like, they're a bit shit. Yeah. They're like missing the mark, and, you know, people are not dying. In or as you look at these. Horrific circumstances.
1: You look at these boys, you think of paras in Derry in 1971, <laughs> quite That's frankly. You I
0: think of Nazis, but you think of, you put it in the Northern Irish context. That's fine too.
1: Oh, come on. There, there's so much Northern Irish context to this. <laughs> By the way, no, It's fair. That's fair. The head um, empire. Lady, yeah, who were Miro, her, yeah, well, yeah Denise Goff, she's from my town.
0: Do you know that she is the voice of Yennefer from the uh, Witcher Three game? I did not. There you go. That's it. she is fucking terrifying. She's very scary.
1: Yeah, as a present, she is. Yeah, I like her a lot. And it's odd to root for that love story, but I was rooting. Well, for Well, you it.
0: wanted her and the like, scary incel boy. Wow. I
1: did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, I quite liked him because of his demonic mother. I've read so I've read a couple of things
0: about how he's supposed to represent like a more modern generation, like the younger person who's like he can't get ahead because of society, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So now he's like an incel at his mom's house. <laughs> that's that's what I heard. I read some things online.
1: Uh, so what happens next? Yeah. Cass gets onto his ex, Bix, uh, and says, get onto the, that lad you know to who you sell stuff to uh, from the secret organization because I got an important thing to sell for him and I really need to get off the planet. They have some old sort of deep connection, <laughs> and uh, but he also realizes that uh, uh, she's um, cop having, having it off with another fella she works with, uh, uh, a big fat Scottish fella called <laughs> Tim. Sp- space Scottish now, to be yeah, fair. he's from Space Scotland, that's true. Um, Space Scottish, yeah.
0: Eh? I think he's from, like, Space Glasgow or Space Paisley. He's definitely <laughs> from the west coast of space. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, um, it's not long before uh, Tim from Space Scotland reports Cassian, um, and uh, so then Incel and other overzealous troopers come a-looking for Yeah, him. another Scottish
0: arsehole, Alex Ferns, playing like a like a sort of horrible...
1: Yeah, it looks like Anslow from Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah, he's,
0: he's like a, just another, like, larger... What's happening with this? He's another larger, another larger man who's playing, like, a sort of, yeah, like, Jobsworth security guard.
1: Anyway, Stellan Starr's guard is coming down to meet Casa. Uh, he's gonna pick, He maybe buy something off him, maybe not. He arrives down on Ferex and... um he goes to meet Cassian, we, and he knows a lot about Cassian, but we don't, I think, find out how he knows so much uh, about him. He
0: knows a lot, though. No, I don't think we do hear that. I feel like it's hinted at, but I don't think we get an ad actual... I don't, yeah, I don't think it's ever revealed exactly why.
1: Cass's, Cassian's um, whereabouts get uh, revealed by Marva's robot, his mother's robot.
0: Also, can I just say best robot easily without question because he's just like Made me so cry. Li- yeah so what the, the most likable R2D2 can fuck right off mm. C C3PO should be smashed into pieces anyway yeah yeah the one from rogue one rewatching kind of annoying actually
1: alan Tudyk right yeah
0: alan Tudyk's uh, like not great <laughs> Dude, but this robot is by far the best yeah, it's yeah. like
1: a little dog A little puppy. Can I stay? Can I stay one more night? He's the best. Anyway, yeah. Then all of a sudden, still in Skarsgård is like, motherfucker, don't have anything on you that you're not in control of. It's, and we're all... heat. He's playing the heat game. We're all, we're we're automatically like, yes, yes, what's going to happen? The action scene that follows is excellent. That was the confirmation for me that this is going to go well. What do you mean, the, the shootout in the, yes. the factory thing? They keep it on the... Well, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the one on the street. Oh, that,
0: yeah. No, that's like, yeah, that is full Northern Ireland. They keep it on the ground.
1: The, uh, like, the, the way the sound travels, they're looking, where's mm-hmm. that coming from, etc. Uh, like, and eventually the boys escape by way of distraction. It's excellently played out. That's
0: why I feel, that, like I said, the geography of Ferrix to me, again, seems really clear.
1: Next up, Casa gets dropped off for what will be the heist, no?
0: Yeah, so Luthen basically says, like, why are you half-arsing all this stealing random shit? Yeah, you're talented. Against the Empire,
1: like, why don't you go all in? And uh, I suppose it's because he's got, you know his finger in other pies, etc., something like that. But he does agree, and he, he, he'll he go on for this uh, heist, which is to steal a payroll from this planet where there's a meteorite shower once every so often. Which so is to, a great idea as well. Yeah, and really visually effective. Yeah. Then, at around this time, we're introduced to Miro. Denise Goff. Miro. Yeah, yeah, who starts investigating...
0: And she's like up and coming in the ISB, which is like the Imperial Security Bureau or something. And the main guy is uh, Maester Pisa. No, Maester, uh What's his name? Kyburn. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He is. He's Kyburn. Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, Anton Lesser. He's. Uh, I mean, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. He's such a, a great baddie.
1: Oh, he's great in everything, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's yeah. Just yeah he's just got such amazing. presence. He's bright. But um, it's in those scenes and like, I feel like the sole purpose of those scenes in that chamber is to show what a shit show it is to run a fascist organization. <laughs> because they keep try they keep uh, diverting the mission to point score with the uh, Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Like that happens two or three times in the course of the series, where they'll ju- they ju- they just they're everyone's scared of Palpatine, uh, so they it
0: does it gets into almost wire like depths of like yeah, yeah, like yeah inner only- workings of an institution, except it just happens to be a fucking fascist space bureau.
1: <laughs>
0: but it's like it's it's going it's they're they're in the same territory and the game stay the game. The
1: game does stay the game.
0: Okay. So so Cassian gets dropped off on. Uh, in, in space, Scotland, <laughs> and
1: yeah, and does some training. With, does uh, he did
0: some training with a bunch of people? Most notably, I would say um, Alex Lawther's. What's his character called? Nim, Nim, Nimic? Nimic, 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 Nimic. Nimic is him. Yeah, yeah. Which I think, like, I think that's a really, I think that's a really well handled character.
1: Yeah. How Nimic. much did you know he was going to die?
0: I think they played that quite well. I yeah, mean, yeah, totally. Essentially, killing everyone. More I, can't, less, th- I can't
1: think of a thing I didn't like about this show, by the way. <laughs> so, like there's, I don't think there's, there's a thing I'd give a bone I, w-
0: I would, if there's, we'll, I'll get to a couple of criticisms, of minor, minor, very minor plot criticism when we get to them. But
1: All right, cool, cool, cool. Tiny,
0: tiny things.
1: So, uh, yeah, the heist, uh, the visual and storytelling logic they used for it reminded me of uh, Top Gun Maverick and the yeah. fact that we've gone through it so much that when they're doing it, we follow it, which I like that.
0: The the only thing I'd say about that is, like, in retrospect, after watching Top Gun Maverick, I feel like they could go even further and show us more, like, give us even more of it. Of the beforehand? Yeah, just because I think, like, I I wasn't, I think, like, Top Gun Maverick opened my eyes to, like, give people a simple, like, a a logical plan and drill it into the audience Mm. and then reveal and show it happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair... Yeah, I mean Tom like other other guys did that before Top Gun Maverick but nobody's done it quite so good ever. But I just
0: think like because we've talked about this before but normally the language of film is when you explain the heist in a in in some kind of heist film it usually doesn't like something goes wrong. Yeah, of course. But I think there's something to be said for explaining a heist and it goes off perfectly. Perfectly, yeah, but yeah. with tension. I think that's interesting too.
1: Uh, we've also got to contend with, the, during the heist, um, Dickhead, who's in charge of the outpost and uh, he, the way he treats his son horribly and kisses the ass of, uh, you know, the visiting colonel or whatever. You know who I'm talking about? The guy whose family gets taken hostage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know any of those character looks like names. Just guys, guy who looks like Bill Bailey. Right. They make it off, but uh, Nimick gets crushed by a big bunch of payroll. <laughs> That's just a hard way. He killed by money. Yeah, he, he was. He was killed by the money they were after. He leaves his um, manifesto to uh, Cassian. Skeen, another member of the team, tries to convince Cassian and to- he's,
0: he, was in pri- he was like an ex-prisoner. He's in the bear,
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, he is a wrong one. But Cassian straight off guns him down and says, look, I'm going to take my share, my fair share.
0: And I'm done. And he is done. And the main uh, lady of the heist is Val. Hmm. Who it turns out is Mon Mothma's uh, oh yeah, and we sister. haven't talked about Mon Mothma yeah.
1: So Mon Mothma is a very clever politician who is outwardly just quite against uh, a number of the Emperor's practice and uh, practices, but that's a distraction from the fact that they so that people think that's as far as she goes. When in actual fact, she's bankrolling the rebellion, shock horror, and actually Vel is her sister.
0: Yeah, I think Mon Mothma first appeared in Return of the Jedi. Really, that character? Yeah, with a different actress, obviously. But then I think, and then she appears in some of the prequels, huh. and she's in Rogue One. So she's like, I mean, that character is has been in ever quite the same a few actress? Things. Not, in, not in, not in the first, not in, uh, in, in not in the first film she was in because that was like nineteen eighty five or something. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was like it was some other lady. But she's been, in, she's in a bunch of stuff. Like she's considered like she's high ranking. She's in canon.
1: Yeah, she's can she's in a canon, and she is what class or something? She's from some Chand, Chandrila, Chandrila, yeah, Chandrila. yeah. This is like this storyline. I love it because it's like it's so it's about money laundering, like. And she needs a way to launder some money that's gone missing that she's put into the rebellion. So she gets in charge of this banker and ends up marrying off her fourteen-year-old daughter for the sake of the rebellion. I'm sure it was to a, a lovely young boy. Indeed it was. We yeah. see him at the end, sure. Yeah, he seemed fine. Anyway, Cassian's off on some beach planet just uh, on the lam. This uh, is
0: where I have a problem. Okay. So Cassian has taken his money from the heist. He got a, a bunch of, of credits. The transition to him going on to this beach planet and then missing? going to prison just felt a bit sort of like narratively like, oh, that we need this to happen now. It's fine within a great show but it's just i just feel like it wasn't the best there would have been a better way to lead into that i
1: think you're probably right but then i do think i probably had a problem with how quickly he got jumped to six years uh, when i was watching it but then later Mm. when you feel when you yeah i mean the the whole prison system when you see that they're concentration camping people yeah um you kind of get that okay so Prison. Of, of, of the four so big payoffs good. so good yeah the the prison payoff is my favorite um
0: that prison is one of the most horrifying prison
1: experiences i've seen Do you know what's amazing so we've spoken about this on this show give me a prison story once if it's possible that doesn't include rape as a plot point point. <laughs> and here's the thing is like if they actually get to the prison uh, the to the, the prison to this none level, of the
0: prisoners fight at
1: all of There's dehumanization no, yeah then it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, Be, because there's nothing they can do. Yeah, you're right. Like the none of and the prisoners. And it's way more
1: horrifying than yeah. the sisters. I, I,
0: so much. You're right. It's so much. It's is so much worse because none of none of the prisoners have any beef. Any beef with each other at all. No one argues. No one fight. Like no one. I mean, like they argue, but like only because they're trying. They're trying not to get in trouble further. No one has any ill will against another prisoner. They're in such a fucking horrific condition mm. and situation that they're like they're just trying to survive. And like this is like humanity at its rawest form. Do you know it's, when the the horror really so ha- hammered home for
1: me? Where they talk about the food and it's like uh, it tastes like nothing. But if you win, you get flavor. <laughs> yeah, that like and it like
0: the whole competition element is rough.
1: But like it and man. Like how effectively horrific that is. That's something else. That's a credit to. That's a credit to you and I as viewers you now, because like I mean, that's clearly the message they're trying to get through. You don't need crazy violence and rape to. You just need to show how effectively dehumanizing cruel and unusual punishment can be. And think, that's, that's really effective. I um, think
0: this is like... Um, absolutely
1: we, stirring, sorry. I think when we talked
0: about, like, Florence, the uh, supermax prison in the US, why did we talk about that? I can't remember what it was in reference to. Uh,
1: neither can I, but... I
0: think so, there's elements of, of that that are similar to this. I mean, obviously not, like, you're not going to get shocked to death if you stand on the floor, but, like... They're, like, that level of, like, removing your rights and removing your privacy, like, it is, it's such a level of torture that it's not even, like, at a certain point you're, like... It's painful to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not, it's obviously, it's a fucked up thing to do, even to criminals. Yeah, yeah. But
1: these criminals have obviously, they've been brought in on
0: jumped up charges and it's largely bullshit.
1: So then um, we've got probably my favorite bit of acting in the show, which is Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis', Serkis, as Andy
0: Serkis his second Star Wars universe appearance after Snoke. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. fucking awful joke of a character that never got paid off at all.
1: He didn't, but I still, I'm the only film I like in that trilogy is The Last Jedi. Which I a lot of people don't really
0: like. despise The Last Jedi as much as I love Ryan Johnson's work. I think The Last Jedi had no respect for Star Wars at all. And I think I don't know if I blame Ryan Johnson. I would blame Disney for putting in place a trilogy with no overarching story. Yeah, that and was a crazy have thing J. J. to do. JJ Abrams yeah, and hindsight. then get Ryan Johnson. A, yeah. That was a crazy thing to do. And then rehire JJ J. Abrams for the third the third film after you fired it was a uh, nuts uh, Colin thing to Trevorrow, do. Like it just meant it's so disjointed, and you haven't even seen the third one. I mean, like the third one is it j- just awful. I mean, it's like it's hard to explain how bad it is because it's it's how like a failure. How did they end up doing that?
1: Someone should write a book about that someday. What I are, think it was just like
0: hubris of like we've got we're bringing back Star Wars, we're bringing in like we brought in Ryan Johnson. Like, what could possibly go wrong? Like, we've got we've got such good people, but. For them to, like, for Ryan Johnson to take J.J. J. Abrams' work and go, like, Nah, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. And then for J.J. Abrams to, take, to go take Ryan Johnson's work and go, I don't like that. Well, like hold that. on,
1: hold on, hold on. For J.J. Abrams' work to be, Why don't we change that and change that and change that and just do the first movie again? Still, but that's fine. But, like, I mean, the- See, I don't think it was. I, I had a problem with that. And I liked the fact. I Ryan thought, stepped away from Uh that.
0: I don't know. I think he, I, I think The Last Jedi is really bad. I think it's a really, really poor film.
1: It's the only one of the three. Well, I haven't seen the third, but by reports, I'll gather, it's the only one of the three that I like.
0: Mm, I just think it's, I think it fucked up bad. I think whatever you think of Force Awakens, if you think it's just like retreading one of the, you know. The, I do. I just think it still functions better as like a Star Wars film. And what I know James we're talking Cameron, about James Andor. Get, what James I know c- we're talking about Andor and and yeah. that is like saying, you know, like, okay, you you can, you don't, it doesn't. But I think if if you're within the Skywalker saga, I think it's something different.
1: I think what Jim, the point James Cameron made applies to The Force Awakens does not apply to The Last Jedi. I think there's plenty of imagination in that film.
0: There is imagination. I just think it's bad imagination.
1: All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so Andy Serkis' character, Kino, I think his That's name was. That's right, yeah. I mean, just to take apart from Star Wars, it's just a masterclass in acting. He is, because the thing is, he, by it's, by it's, the, it's, it's a fully formed arc in three
0: episodes.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't say very much. It's all in his fucking face. It's incredible what he communicates. You just like uh, he starts out as a sort of a hard screw, and you can just see very well what the way he's looking at things, and he's just trying to do his time and get out. Exactly
0: until it's revealed. So all the prisoners are making parts for yeah. some mystery empire project. Yeah, which is revealed in the last thirty seconds yeah, it's the post Death Star. credits. They're built. They're ten. They're building Death Star parts. Spoilers, but um, he thinks he's. Going to serve his time and then get out. However, it's revealed at some point... There was a fuck-up on there's the second a fuck floor. Up. Or- some yeah. guy who'd been released was probably should have been sent to another prison, but they accidentally put him back into the same prison because it turns out that no one from this prison is actually getting released from the system. They're just getting put back somewhere else because they're building
1: the Death Star. So... And also, they're just enjoying the free labor, basically. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then, so then the thrust, the thrust of the plot becomes, we've got to escape because they're fucking gonna murder us all. It takes a while to convince Andy Circus, and Andor is trying to. They get back to the bunk rooms. Andor is sounding off, uh, trying to convince people. People aren't really buying it, and then Circus just yells out, "His no one is getting out." <laughs> no one's getting out and then oh the it's so satisfying that prison escape and heartbreaking
0: yeah andy circus that well they have to jump off of the prison into water and then he's like i can't swim." i can't swim and and they don't dwell on it no they just like that's it it, yeah they're like well andor gets pushed off and that's i think he gets knocked off but it's like yeah that's the end of the guy but still Still, it's, it's there's nothing they don't It's beautiful. It's really nice. It is great, but then again, they'd all. uh, I think this puts Rogue One into. There's one thing it does put into perspective for Rogue One is like Cassian Andor as a character has accepted at multiple points throughout his life that he's already dead. Mm. Like he's so him dying at the end of Rogue One. Now you're like, well, okay. Like this is a guy who's like basically accepted death multiple times.
1: Well, he smooches Felicity Jones as well on the way out. Does he? And they just—they have a little hug. I oh, don't think it goes it? as far as a, not a proper a canoodle. Not. Oh, boo hockey. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Andor says with his escapee buddy Malshi, o- That's
0: Malshi, who's also in Rogue One.
1: Great. Uh, oh well, I can't remember that.
0: I know, and I would only know because I re-watched
1: Rogue One. <laughs> um, great opening to Episode Eleven when they're on the side of the cliff.
0: Yeah, they're like, uh, they're trying to... They're, like, they're I can't move away. my
1: hands. They're going, they're going. Yeah, mm. right, it's very good. So they're trying to escape from that planet. They eventually do get off. Oh, another fantastic scene where they try to steal those boys' uh, ship. <laughs> and the boys are like two, two alien lads. They're like, oh no, you guys are fucked. And then they realize they're prisons. And they're like, oh no, you can take our ship. Fuck Go the on. Empire. Yeah, exactly.
0: We haven't talked about uh, Forrest Whitaker.
1: Oh yeah, who is in Rogue One? I remember he isn't.
0: Yeah, he's in Rogue One uh, as a character that has appeared in a lot of Star Wars properties, including um, Fallen Order. I don't know if you've ever no, you've I've ever heard played it's that okay. he's in that. Yeah, it's fine. It has a. It has. I've have I've only played it a little bit, but it has some of the similar. It has a similar vibe to some of to like to to Andor in that it's quite low key and. The main character is like a Jedi, but there it's in the period where they've all been hunted down. Is it open world? No, it's like a sort of Souls Light type game. So you're going through the same areas. There's like a number of planets. Is there
1: and... an open world Star Wars game?
0: There's a new. There's a there's a bunch of new Star Wars projects on the way. So there might be something like that coming out soon.
1: Anyway, the whole time the rebellion has basically wants to kill Cassian Andor because he knows about what went down on the moon with the heist and shit like that, which is
0: very dickish.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I get it, but like they also I- want to. They also are willing to let this guy die, whose uh, transport is going to get intercepted.
0: At this point, they haven't formed the Rebel Alliance, so it's just kind of like uh, a group of individuals who are doing. Basically, carrying out terrorist attacks. Yeah, balling. and so th- there's this one guy whose name is um, Anton Krieger or something. Anton Krieger. Yeah, yeah. And he's planning an attack on like a power station, and they they let know that- he's coming, and they yeah, let it happen. They let it
1: happen so as not to give it away, much like uh, Enigma.
0: But I don't. Yeah, it's sim. Yeah, exactly same thing. But I don't think. Um, I I feel like the Star Wars universe hasn't really touched on that very much. Like the rebels. Sacrificing no, 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 people all, like doing all. bad shit. And no. I think that's that's the level of depth that's been added to Star Wars in this just because previously it was like it's the goodies versus the baddies, but now it's like it's the, nasty,
1: dirty fascism. Yeah. By far the most interesting aspect of uh, this to me was the inefficient bureaucracy of fascism, which sounds like a mouthful to say, but I, I liked that they captured that, because that is historically the case, that uh, regimes like this do not work well because they're run out of fear. So every, everything works hazily, and every, like there's so many fuck-ups along the way. It's only because Miro or Mira... Where, Mir, uh, Miro, Miro. Miro is so dedicated she's able to get things done she's got a kind of a Machiavellian mindset about it everybody else is so afraid of the emperor and then you've got the other side of it which is what it takes to actually run a rebellion where so still in Skarsgård gives that great speech where his emperor, empire mole tries to get out and he asks what have you sacrificed for like like, everything. Well, literally everything um, which he makes a good case for it's a good speech. But the best speech by far is, of course, Marva's. Oh, Marva. I was going to
0: say, like, there's that one from Nemec where I think it's from his little manifesto thing where Mm. he's talking about how, like, uh, a fascist regime leaks eventually just because they are ruling through fear. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Marva's is great. Best moment I mean, that's
1: with, be, with Nimic, though, is when um, he says to Andor, we should just sit back and be thankful. And Andor says, do I look thankful? Yeah. In do a I sexy Argentinian accent. Um, Even though he's Mexican. Is he Mexican? I believe so. Um, I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, so uh, Marva's funeral is going to happen. Bix has been tortured relentlessly, but she has not given away uh, where Andor is. Really? inventive conceptual torture device the screams oh, yeah. of young children played th- into your head
0: i thought about that the thing that's quite good about that is they were able to torture someone without torturing any, us we are like without physical yeah, yeah i was thinking of it more from like a disney plus uh mindset of going like right we don't want to do any like violent sexual we're trying let's stay away from these areas And so just purely mental torture that, as you said, is like the voice, the voices of alien children that were being executed. And then it it fucks up
1: your mind. I liked it. Yeah, it's a solid torture technique. I'm going to. Anyway, so they got their funeral going on. Cassian, of course, comes along. Marva gives her big speech out of a robot saying, fuck these bastards, these sons (laughs) of bitches stand up to these motherfuckers these bastards the uh, an empire guy tries to shut down the robot but then uh, at that point all sund- bl- sund- su- sunday bloody sunday
0: <laughs> the yeah, young boy <laughs> throws his little uh, his bomb yeah, yeah his, his petrol bomb like
1: molotov thing yeah uh, and uh, all hell breaks loose and or gets bix and co off the planet before going off to join Stellan Skarsgård for Series 2. For Season 2, which yeah. is,
0: is, uh, is filming now. It just started filming recently and it's going to take two years. About nine months of filming and then a year of post-production. So it'll be out in 2024.
1: Ah, oh, I can wait for that because it's so good. I will watch this again. I know this already. I enjoyed this so yeah, much. Yeah, it's it has I've watched the so Ma- much depth all I've it. watched all the Mandalorian twice and this is better than Mandalorian. It's way better than comfortably. the Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'll say it I again, enjoyed watching the Mandalorian, this is my but favorite is Star Wars same. thing.
0: This is it's not playing in the same league as any other mm-hmm. Star Wars property. It's not trying to be the same as any of those. Like it's just it's kind of like w- when Marvel decided, okay, we're going to do Captain America, Winter Soldier, and it's going to be like a spy thriller. Mm. It's that, but times a billion. Yeah. It's made me excited for Star Wars
1: again, genuinely. Um, I don't know. I'd see this almost as like a different thing, I think. But that's what I'm saying. Look what's happened over at DC. Who's in charge now? Fucking James Gunn. mm. The response to this, it will not be something Disney can ignore. Like, the the response- But are people watching this? Yeah, yeah, it's been very big. It's been very well respected and it's been very popular. And um, particularly in response to a, a pretty bad slump after Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kenobi. Uh, which was not good, which was very not good. Anyway, I am super excited for, I just hand the keys to Tony Gilroy as far as I'm concerned. I
0: already he was thinking of making a third season of this and it was going to be completely improvised. And it, it was the, he was he was thinking of calling it Yes Andor. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Coming. I'm here all week. That's, <laughs> that's weird to end on. So that.
1: next week on Call it Friend, oh, it's <laughs> Federico Fellini. Do we know what's the week after that yet? And oh, we Avatar, might do. Avatar, I think. Avatar. Yeah, it's Avatar. Oh. How excited are you for Avatar? Uh,
0: yeah, I think I'll be good. I, I I'm trying to keep my expectations in check. I don't think I have your expectation level.
1: I saw a very funny thing. Uh, well, so the bro internet is kicking up because James Cameron said uh, testosterone is like a toxin. Respect. <laughs> and like they're all, yeah, oh, man. Give me your extra if you want to go through the crime ridden streets of Philadelphia and stuff. I watched the internet, and it's basically. Just James Cameron giving out about being a young fella. It's like one of the most taken out of context things you can imagine because everyone, the other half of the internet, the other half of the internet, the film fan side of the internet, is going, man, all your films are testosterone fueled. What are you talking about? But it's literally just him saying, yeah, no, I was young. I'm much more focused now. Fair play. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Federico Fellini. Uh, I'm excited for everything. What a week. What a time to be alive. Indeed. And I will watch this
0: again. That's the problem. It's like, I keep saying it, but this is so meaty and it holds, I mean, it's there's so much to this that it does make other things look a bit sort of crap often. But there's plenty of other good stuff out there. I'm sure we'll find something
1: of similar quality level. Well, I'll tell you if I find anything.
0: Yeah, especially TV series. I mean, I'd like to watch things that I think are genuinely very good. And there's a ton of stuff uh, coming up, I'm sure. Don't know what they are, but they got... Oh, uh, the season two of Slow Horses, the first two episodes are out. That's right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting it. until that's done before I watch it. I got hold of SAS Rogue Heroes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> BBC show. check call? 1899, people seem to quite like, from the Makers of Dark. Lots going on. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff out there. I'm going to rewatch Station Eleven. As it, maybe this will be my annual tradition because it it first started airing uh i think around this time last year
1: you should rewatch station 11
0: i do i've got, I've got a very nice uh blu-ray i mean a 4k copy of it
1: so. you should also re-watch me going to take a gigantic dump in your bathroom no okay. won't be watching that well in that case folks i love you all i love you andy love you too i'm out bye bye, bye.